The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. Good morning and welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. Boy, we have a great show for you. Uh, We've got some great guests this week and hope you'll uh, stick around and listen because it's going to be fascinating, exciting, and you might even know this young feller right here coming in. And it's our fire chief here in Hendersonville, Chief Scotty Bush. Thanks, Chief, for coming in. Finally got you in here. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to spend some time with you guys and uh, deliver the message to the people in the community and uh, work with you guys in getting that message out. Absolutely. And you do so many great things. All I hear are great, incredible things. So you're doing something right. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very proud of my staff. I mean, I brag on them all the time. I, I wouldn't be half the person I am if it wasn't for those folks and the job and the effort that they put forth every day. And uh, I'm just honored to be able to lead those individuals. It's easy to lead folks that want to be led uh, and that and they give 100% every day. And they love what they do. Yes, sir. And it's like you said earlier, it's like no better job in the world. Yes, sir. That's correct. It's um, been on the job for 35 years. I'll be 36 this coming December. I uh, started out as a firefighter and worked my way up. Quit college um, about my, I don't know, second or third year in. Uh, and then I went and got my associate's degree, uh, worked towards my bachelor's degree, completed it. And then in 2015, I think July, I finally completed my master's program. Last year, I went through the certified public manager course through the Uni- University of Tennessee Center of Excellence. And currently, I'm in the EFO program at the National Fire Academy. In all your free time. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're going to talk about all the great things that you're working on and things that are coming up here in, in the little bit later on. But you've worked so hard over the years in trying to b- build this. You, you took on the chief's job at what year? 2015. Okay. So you're still uh, not really a freshman now, but you're, you're moving up there. Seven, seven and a half years now. Oh, yes, yeah. sir. Wow. So have you been at, at Hendersonville the whole time? Yes, sir. This is the only department I've ever worked for. Wow. They have to name things after you now. <laughs> it's uh, like I said, it's been a very rewarding career, and uh, I, I believe in the philosophy of you lead by, from the front. So I want folks to excel. I want them to do well and and know that goals that they set are achievable. But I also want them to understand the work life balance. I've made some sacrifices on my end between work and life, and uh, that was just personal choices. I really talked to new folks and some of my uh, old timers about you know work life balance. It's very important for your family to, to to see that you're there for them and to be a part of their lives, not just when uh, you're not at work. Sure. Uh, so it, that balance is very important in the, in the service anymore. And you lived in Hendersonville? Yes, sir. All my whole life. Yes, sir. Wow. See, this is this is your department. <laughs> They're going to have to name it after you. Well, there's been some pretty good chiefs prior to my uh, my uh, arrival, so uh, yeah. I've just tried to take the ball and take it to a different level, and that's my hopes. Uh, eventually, when I get ready to call it quits, give it to somebody, and they can take it to newer heights, and I have a foundation for them. Yeah. Now, is there anybody in the department right now that that's been there longer than you have? Uh, yes, sir. There's a couple of captains that have been there uh, that wow. didn't take the career path to go to the schools and things mm-hmm. like that. But there's a couple right now. Uh, but those are few and far between anymore. Yeah. Uh, so some of those folks are, are holding on probably till I leave in the next two or three years, maybe. There may be a couple of them that leave between now and uh, the next year or so. So uh, we're going to have some changeover. We're a pretty young department now, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a bad thing. We get to educate these folks before we some of our old timers do get out of the way and turn it over to those folks and uh, they're excelling in a lot of areas but they also get the experience and the institutional knowledge from uh, the long time folks 
Well, and I'm sure over the years, the training standards have increased dramatically from what they were when you started. I mean, you could probably see it night and day from yes. what they are now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, recruit schools 10 weeks at the Fire Academy. We also have uh, brokered some uh, deals with local departments. Franklin, Murfreesboro, that we've also done some recruit classes with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're 10 to 13, 14 weeks. And they are pretty rigorous uh, courses. And only the best of the best get to complete those and come on to our agency. And we're very blessed with the folks that we do bring on board and, and the uh, energy levels they bring and also the, the knowledge that they bring to the table. And I've talked to you know several fire chiefs you know around and boy they say nothing but great things about you so you're doing something right well i appreciate that and obviously i i wouldn't be anything again without my staff but i try to lead from the front you know going to classes getting my efo that's a four-year program it's been condensed to two now uh so that's a pretty rigorous course a lot of writing for papers Mm -hmm. i thought when i got through my master's program that was going to be over but uh i guess i'm uh exposing myself to more of that now you know the changes are inevitable in in anything just uh as it was back then equipment has changed you got to learn all of that you got all these new things that come about uh, materials you have to learn about look i'm sure the list goes on and on I'm, I'm, and i would not even know what to say about them burn rates and all of these uh, guidelines and codes that you have to enforce and you know with your fire marshal things and oh, that's a lot of education <laughs> yes sir it is and, and then that's the specialized groups that we have mm-hmm. we do have a fire prevention bureau that works just as hard as a suppression staff uh, and they stay up on codes they go to classes uh, get extra training we want them to be the best of the best. They have to do a certain amount of training to maintain their investigative license. Also, with their codes, uh, they have to go to a certain amount of classes to maintain those. So we encourage those folks to do that. And it's easy to encourage folks that have the drive to, to learn the new techniques. And you, you said one thing that's very correct. Things do burn faster and hotter now than they ever have. The synthetic products and house fires, it just uh, it's crazy how things have changed over the last, uh, I'll say just the last 10 years. I won't even say the last 35. Mm-hmm. When you were saying that the burn, one thing that came to mind with all the the induction of electric cars all the batteries and you hear about these teslas burning up in the driveway i mean is that different when you're putting out that kind of a like a battery fire versus a materials kind of i guess the really the only thing i could probably equate to that's like a magnesium fire so like if a motor gets hot enough in a car you know there's a certain amount of magnesium in those Mm -hmm. and you expose water to those it can cause a a reaction it's almost like a white uh white fire uh kind of an explosion type um so those batteries are a little concerning any of the research that you do on those, the, the term of those, how to how to extinguish those, I've seen several uh, different departments that had uh, have exposed themselves to to lengthy time on a car fire. They basically have taken the car and turned it over on its top to extinguish the battery fire, uh, and then what what happens to them when when they're they are extinguished? Uh, where are we putting these batteries? So there's the runoff, there's the contaminants from that. So there's a lot of concerns with that in the, in the fire industry now, and you know it's unfortunate, uh, but I think it's just like new technology anywhere we're going to see some some changes in that and hopefully we won't suffer too many losses due to that type of technology and how it's advanced with all the training that's going on and and i guess there's there's probably different courses throughout the state and probably even nationally that some of your firefighters if they wanted to go to schools are there funds for that uh, built in uh, oh, that you guys cover yes sir yeah. we uh, we have some in our uh, budget every year the the board of mayor and aldermen have been very very good to us 
us as far as uh, the amount of money they give us for training. And uh, my goal is to uh, use that every year, that amount that we have. So we send folks uh, all over the country for training. Uh, the good thing about the National Fire Academy is uh, the exposure there. You get one free trip a year to that. So if somebody wanted to choose a class to go to that, then they apply, they get accepted, the city can be reimbursed for that. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's a, it's a great opportunity. You get exposed to folks from across the, the country that are in the fire service. Sometimes that's good for exposure because you're, you're around folks from different departments that you see that maybe some of the problems that you felt like were just localized are not so localized. Mm-hmm. They're across the country and how we handle things. Mm-hmm. So it's a good experience. The National Fire Academy, I would encourage anyone to, to go there. It's just a great opportunity. But with all of this training, which I think it's it's needed, you know, even when I was in law enforcement, you always keep it up with the, the training, and that's just a constant thing. The, the, the fact that the department's helping these firefighters learn new things and keep up to date, I, I think is commendable. But is, are there certain requirements, like you have to be certified every four years or anything of that nature? So what we do is uh, we have a career path uh, program okay. that we, we hand out to our recruits when they start. And we give them the classes that we want them, that are mandatory for them to go to in uh, from year one to year three. Uh, and that's basically uh, firefighter one, firefighter two, pump school, uh, RIT, which is rapid intervention team, uh, and uh, uh, firefighter down safety. Uh, We require that they go to those five classes within those first three years. Then we move to uh, the next four through seven years, and we lay out a career plan for them as well. So they get to take some more advanced classes, but we want them to cover the basic stuff first. And then we do an amount of training each year that quantifies us to get our uh, in-service money from the state. So we have a certain amount of training. It's leadership training, firefighter safety uh it's SIDS which is sudden infant death syndrome Mm -hmm. there's a wide variety of things that we go through on a year-to-year basis Mm -hmm. and then on top of that we require within our organization 240 hours at least a year a minimum of training as well nice well I mean you got to have that so what does it take to drive one of those big engines you have to be (laughs) specialized in that (laughs) that's uh, that's part of our training as well as the Vanessa K and Eva courses that we do uh every year it's mandatory for folks to have a certain amount of hours operating those we don't hire folks that go from driving say a Subaru to driving a a, a half a million dollar piece of equipment it's Mm -hmm. not fair to them Mm -hmm. it's not fair to people in the community we start them out slow they have to log a certain amount of hours driving before we turn them loose and then they also have to be certified as a pump operator in order to to be able to drive to a scene and turn the the pumps on and get water to the folks that are actually fighting the fire so I guess that as the engineer you just you're driving but you got to know that vehicle inside and out you are everything that it does Yes, sir, 100%. You are responsible for, from the time it leaves the station to the time it gets to the location of the call, and then everything that comes off that apparatus, you must maintain knowledge of where it's at so we can recoup that at the end of that uh, call. Okay, so the engineer brings this this beast back, parks it in there, and says, okay, guys, wash that beast. (laughs) I'm going to bed. (laughs) That's right. We we do clean, but everybody kind of chips in with that. So if they are dirty, we, we do clean our equipment up before we put it back on an apparatus that just produces longevity for the equipment so and everybody chips in for that and and i've seen in multiple stations in florida i mean that's just the thing that you do you clean those vehicles and get them looking good because like you said they they help them maintain a lot longer yes sir we do service programs for them too maintenance Mm -hmm. but you know you you figure taxpayers money that we're using that the board appropriates for us to buy items like that it's uh worthy of us to maintain those provide maintenance take care of make sure they're clean 
make sure they're operating the way they're supposed to operate for the longevity of those products. And not like they, they get enough exercise, but it does give them some exercise doing that too. Correct. Yes, sir. <laughs> we were talking about the training earlier, and I think people don't really understand the physical training that firefighters have to go through. It's brutal. I mean, I, I've heard some things. I said, how do they get through that? Yes, sir. So basically, we, we're, we're trying to implement now a, a wellness program within our organization. It'll be the first organized plan ever in the history of the of the department, but it's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not only important for the completion of the job to have better fit, better folks to be ready to fight fire. It is a very strenuous job. You, you put in the heat, the cold, on top of the elements of the call. Uh, it really puts a stressor on your on your body. And as as we start progressing through our careers, it takes a little longer to, to recover. And that's just human. That's just nature. That's just the way things work. But we're really starting to emphasize to new recruits now the importance of maintaining not just physical strength, but cardiovascular. We've increased our scans for our uh, physicals this year. So now we're checking for uh, different types of cancer. And we're also doing implementing this year the heart scans where we come in and they view the heart to see if there's any calcium builds up. Yeah, and we, nice. we actually have an opportunity to work towards more progressive uh, physicals for our staff. Now, what about nutrition? I think most people, you know, they've seen firefighters, they sit around the kitchen eating pasta and all this fattening food, but I'm sure that has changed over the years as well. Yes, sir. That's one thing the old fire chief here don't get to coach on. (laughs) So uh, some of the younger folks have come in with a different idea. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, they still have their family breakfast on the weekends together where they'll cook a a fire station breakfast. If you've never had one of those, I certainly would encourage folks to uh, get to know one of them and and, uh, try to come by on a weekend and have a, a fire station breakfast it's it's something phenomenal uh just short of the cracker barrel so uh but folks now they're they're geared more towards eating a little more healthy paying attention to their their physical abilities and again that's part of the physicals that we administer there's blood work that associated with that as well mm-hmm. so there's a, a bigger overreaching goal that we're trying to achieve by doing that sure that's exciting stuff but you know what we're going to take a quick break on the other side We're going to talk about all the great things that you're doing and that you have coming up. So that stick around. (laughs) Don't leave. (laughs) Hey, this is Jeff Shannon. We'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. 100.7 100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. All right, we're back with uh, this edition of Sumner County Spotlight with your host, Jeff Shannon. And we're going to continue our conversation here with Chief Scotty Bush with the Hendersonville Fire Department. Been the chief there for seven years now. That's right. Time flies. Yes, sir. You know, we, we got here in 2016, and I remember going to the old headquarters there when they had the 9-11 beam yes, out there. And of course, I mentioned that because today, 9-11, it was so impressive when I saw that. And of course, now you've moved that over to Memorial Park. Yes, sir. We moved it over there. And then uh, the Rotary, a couple of years ago, did the uh, first responder monument over there as well. So we figured out it was fitting to be together. You know, we liked it at Station 2, but we felt like, you know, when we do our 9-11 ceremony, which, by the way, is coming up uh, at 9 a.m. at Memorial Park, it just had a better opportunity for folks to pay homage, to come and pay their respects for first responders or uh, remember the 9-11 incident. It was a very unfortunate event. Yeah. Uh, but it's a great piece of Hendersonville history. The former fire chief, Jamie Steele, uh, got that. It was like a bid process. It didn't cost us anything but shipping to get it. And uh, the unique thing about that piece of steel is it's positioned latitude and longitude-wise for this, the city of New York, where the 9-11 incident occurred. And a lot of folks, if you don't know, don't understand that that's how it's positioned and why it's positioned that way. Wow. Okay. So it might be, why did they put it that way? Well, well that's good. Yes. Now you know, folks. <laughs> <laughs> we 
when you see it. <laughs> so I've noticed you've been really busy. Now you got new fire stations. So you had number two. Yes, sir. You you had to do that. Yes, sir. Because there were some things going on over there. <laughs> yes, sir. With the old station two. <laughs> yeah. So now that's all brand new. Yes, sir. And then you have another one going up. Yes, sir. Station sevens, which is going out off Drake's Creek Road on Mustang Lane. Uh, it'll be a great addition to the northern part of the of Hendersonville. It's where a lot of the growth has occurred with Durham Farms, mm-hmm. Autumn Creek, Fountain Brook, Ivy Point. There's a lot of subdivisions out there now that continue to grow. Eventually, those subdivisions will touch the backside of off Saundersville Road. So for the same level of protection that we already offer here in the city limits. Gosh, and then you're like minutes away. That's correct. That's great. It's going to reduce our uh, call times from about nine and a half, ten minutes to four and a half to five. So yeah. it's going to be a great impact for that part of the community. So so how many stations you got now? Uh, we have six now. This one will be the seventh one. Okay. So you got the city covered pretty good. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's great. And we were talking about calls. Now, I know how busy you are because you, I, I love that you post those calls for service and all the different kinds of uh, categories that you have. Yes, sir. You got any numbers on that? Uh, what seems to be like the hottest, no pun intended, but the, the most, I guess, higher rank of calls? So the, the, the it's no, we're no different than any other fire department in the country. Uh, obviously, you can compare yourself to, to, to Gallatin, Mount Juliet. You can compare yourself to, to Memphis, Germantown, or, or even go to Philadelphia. But of course, Philadelphia is going to have a larger amount of calls. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, most a majority of your calls are going to be contributed to medical calls. I'd say 80 to 85% of any fire department's calls for service are related to EMS, whether that's overdoses, which is an unfortunate thing in the world mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want we, we uh, run several of those calls here in town. I know that's hard for folks to believe sometimes, but yeah. we do run a majority of those. Auto accidents have increased uh, in Hendersonville, and the level of seriousness of those has increased. Yeah. Um, so those are uh, all call types that we are seeing uh, on the rise. Now, is there any uh, correlation between the amount of accidents and the younger drivers coming up? Um, I, I don't really have that number. The, mm-hmm. the, the police department might be better suited to provide mm-hmm. those numbers. Uh, the, the critical incidents that we've run over the last couple of years, um, we don't really collect data based off the age. I would just say that, you know, just the lack of people paying attention, maybe getting in a hurry, being stressed out, maybe even some road rage. Don't know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say texting while driving still occurs. You know, you probably see some folks still do that. So we try to encourage folks to stay away from that sure. that type stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So what other kind of calls do you guys respond to? Uh, well, we have lots of fire calls. Uh, that's an increased number as well. Uh, we had one two weeks ago last Friday at a business. And, you know, the, the, the goal of the fire department, you know, we don't really create any revenue for the city. But if you stop and think about that, we can talk about dollar loss for the business. But what we try to look at is how much we saved, not just how much we lost in the fire, but how much we saved so the building was kept intact and that's due to the sprinkler system that was activated and then we want to try to get this business back open so it can keep its employees going it provides a tax base for the city mm-hmm. and by doing so by being aggressive and 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 strategic and safe in the way that we handle these fires uh, we we offer the opportunity to save some money for the uh, business owners and mm-hmm. for the city by by getting those businesses back open a lot quicker now you've had a business that's say been around for quite some time they have an incident places burning and that kind of thing would they not be required after that based upon the current codes would they have to get the rebuilt facility up to current codes yes sir that's true the fire prevention bureau would follow up with that Mm -hmm. so if they have an incident there and they're not up to code they would have to bring it up to code and a lot of times folks don't understand that now too if you've got an existing building we could choose several here in hendersonville if somebody comes in and buys that existing building and it was preempted from the codes back 20 years ago Mm -hmm. they now have to bring it up to current code standards Mm -hmm. so uh, 
I think folks sometimes get confused on that in the community, but we do require them to bring it up to the current level, which is 2018 uh, IFC, the International Fire Code, and the IBC, which is International Building Codes. And we do, as a fire department, the Fire Prevention Bureau, as I said, they do a great job. They require folks to bring those buildings up to the, the current standard. So if somebody was curious about their building, if it was up to code, because most people don't understand any of that stuff, and uh, would the, the fire marshals come out and or whoever and, and give them, a, I guess, an update and say, well, you need to change this, change that? 100%. We spend yeah. a lot of times in planning and codes mm-hmm. when a, a new project comes in of giving our uh, opinions on what needs to be done based off the codes and based off the facts of what the building's going to be, based on the size, based on the capacity, mm-hmm. and what, what that building's going to be as far as what it's going to offer to the community. And usually uh, the fire marshal assigns a particular deputy fire marshal to that building, mm-hmm. and that's on their, their box. So let's just say there's five per fire marshal. They they make sure that they, when that project starts, they see it through all the way to the end. Oh, uh, so they, they, yeah. they walk folks through that whole process. So everybody knows what everybody's thinking about and talking about. Correct. Yeah. Yes, sir. So I think education is really a key. And the businesses can be educated. Just call down the down there and you'll direct them in the right the place. That's, that's correct. Sure. Now, we were talking about codes and, and things like that and ratings. Understand, you've got some uh, great ratings. Let's let's talk about that ISO ratings. Is that what they call them? Yes, sir. Yeah. It's uh, the ISO rating, which is uh, a benefit to folks in the community. If it gets lowered, the lower the number, the better for folks in the community. We were classified as a three five years ago. We're pushing really hard for a two, if not a one, for this mm-hmm. upcoming year. Uh, and we will have that done probably sometime before the end of the year, You know, depending on how backed up ISO is. But they're due to come out uh, October, November, and it typically could be uh, December or January, depending on how that falls on the holidays, uh, before we get our uh, af- confirmation of where we're going. So explain to everybody how the ISO thing works. What do you have to do in order to get a great rating? Okay, so the ISO rating is based off several things within an organization. We talked about training hours earlier. That's part of that. Uh, we have to make sure that our training records are kept up to date. Typically, they like to review a previous three years. Hmm. So we would go back to 21, 20, and 19 and lay those records out before them, and they can just randomly select folks to view to see that they've maintained their hours. Then we talk about the water supply system, which is owned by HUD, which is kind of a unique situation for the city and HUD. We work great together, but we have to go out and flush those hydrants every year and paint them. Uh, We have to physically put our hands on those in order to get ISO points. Hmm. Also with that comes tools and appliances that we run on our apparatus. Also with that comes uh, the apparatus and the age of those things. I mentioned training hours, and then it goes into uh, company officers training hours. So it's it's a large gamut of a bunch of different things that accumulates to that. So automatic aid agreements with local cities like Gallatin, Gulletsville, people that touch our borders. Mm-hmm. A training facility would be great. Obviously, that's a funding issue at some point that maybe we would address with BOMA. But we've got one in Gulletsville that we've got an agreement with that we've gone down several times in the last couple of years and used theirs. And we'll get some points for that. So that's some points that we've not gotten in the past. The, the Emergency Central Dispatch Communication Center in Gallatin is another big role player in the RSO rating. And uh, they've, they've uh, grown leaps and bounds from when they first opened. So there's a lot of different entities that pull into this uh, ISO rating. It's sure. not not just us ourselves. So why would the ISO rating be of concern to the citizens of Hendersonville? So obviously, if your ISO rating, again, if it's lower, it means some savings for the, the homeowner, the taxpayer, uh, anywhere from 2 to 5%. When we got dropped to a 3 five years ago, it was anywhere from 2 to 5% that folks got to see as a benefit on their homeowner's insurance. Wow. 
See, there you go. Chief Scotty Bush is looking after you, folks. <laughs> got to lower that that stuff. So you have so many things going on. You got the, the new station going up. You've got new equipment coming. That's correct. Engine seven's in the makings. We're going to go up at the end of uh, October, beginning of November, and do the final inspection on uh, the engine company that's supposed to be for uh, station seven. And what are you getting for that? Is that a ladder truck or no, sir? It's a different... pumper. Uh, okay, uh, just a regular engine company. So we we don't have really a lot of tall buildings here in Henderson. That's so, correct. Now, is that, that just made me think of something. So are there limits in, in the codes that, that Keith would have, say, we can't have buildings higher than X amount of floors? That, there's, that's open for discussion through codes. I don't think that there's limits. Okay. I mean, obviously, you would keep in mind, I think a lot of folks get the misconception that your truck companies have to reach the top of a building. If you stop and think about that, there's nothing anywhere in the country. I would say in San Francisco, they are tall buildings. There's no ladder uh, ever that reaches the top. What mm-hmm. we train folks to do and what we train ourselves to do is use stairwells to exit high-rise buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use one for fire suppression activities, mm-hmm. and we encourage folks to exit out of the other one. And that's all predetermined before an incident occurs. So that's companies getting out in the community and making sure they understand that. Mm-hmm. That you use this stairwell for your exit, we use this one for fire suppression activities. So we don't have elderly folks or folks coming down a stairwell as we're trying to fight our way up. Mm-hmm. They're using one stairwell. We've got folks waiting on those folks to come out. We kind of keep a head count, and then we've got folks going up the other stairwell to actually uh, take care of the incident. That's interesting. All these strategies and logistics. <laughs> it's crazy. At the new station, are we going to have rescue there as well? Uh, the, the plan is we have a uh, special operations or a rescue truck that we use now if one of our truck companies goes down for maintenance okay. or any kind of mechanical issues. Uh, eventually, I would like to have that staffed fully. Again, that's something we'd have to work out with BOMA. Uh, we do have a safer grant in that BOMA granted us permission to apply for for 12 folks for the opening of Station 7. So we'll see if we get awarded that grant. And obviously some of that staff will uh, be for that rescue truck. And we would put that rescue truck out there with that engine company. Yeah, and you have such great relationship with our surrounding agencies. Gosh, if you needed something, they're going to be there. Yes, sir. And and speaking of that, I mean, you all have been really great and sent manpower to a lot of disasters. Uh, Gatlinburg and... Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge. We've been to North Carolina, South Carolina, Houston. We've been to Florida. Uh, we've been uh, all over. We were ramped up for the flooding that just happened recently in Kentucky. We were getting ready to send some folks up there. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of different strategic plans in place with TEMA. We've got a lot of local agreements between other departments here, automatic aids, that certainly support that role. So we're very fortunate in the highly skilled staff that I have. And again, that goes back to the amount of training that we, we, we do mm-hmm. and the amount of money that's given to us in our budget each year from the Board of Mayor and Aldermen to maintain that level of training for these yeah. folks. Well, the only thing I can say is you're doing great things, and it just seems to be getting better and better. You got a great team in place, and uh, that is half the battle right there. And you got a great team that supports you, and they appreciate you, and they respect you. So that's that's good. Well, I'm, like I said before, I'm very, very fortunate to have the staff that I have. And uh, I wouldn't be half of who I am if I didn't have the staff that I have. Yeah. And they do work hard every day. They come to work and give their 110%. And I know the city is really, I mean, first class, all for the department, the police department, our agencies like that, which I, I think they have to be because that's two of the most important services that a city has. Yeah, I would think that the uh, school systems, the public Absolutely. safety, and the parks are all three things that draw folks to the city of Hendersonville. Mm-hmm. It's a great community. I've been here my entire life. I've seen it grow from 
uh, not such a large community the size it is now and uh, the police fire uh, the parks department I mean I grew up playing these parks and just the level of services that we offer uh, through those three entities alone I mean not to cut planning or public works those folks really work hard uh, as well Mm -hmm. and we partner with them uh, the tornado December 11th of last year uh, we partnered up with public works to, to try to make some quick work of some uh, fallen trees, you know, power lines, things like that. And so it's all entities that work together to make this community what it is. And mm-hmm. it's just a great, great opportunity for folks to understand how great the city is and the level of services it offers. Well, sounds like a good place to close it down here. That was that was amazing. <laughs> good. We've been talking with the fire chief, Scotty Bush, right here in the city of Hendersonville, and the great job that he and his department are doing for the citizens here in Hendersonville. So, Chief, thanks for coming out. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. 100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight on this Sunday morning with Jeff Shannon. And we're going to continue uh, our conversation. We had a couple new guests in the studio, good friends of the the show, and uh, doing some great work here in Hendersonville and Sumner County as it relates to the foster care kids and amazing kids that they are. So let's uh, re-welcome Crystal Brown and Shanda Tripp right here with uh, Love for Music City. Yay. Now we have listen, we have a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. So, but let's let's kind of do a recap on how we got to where we're at where we're at today, and you know we had a great gala last year with yes, great celebrities yeah, and yes. things like that. So let's do a little recap. All right. Well, Jeff, I am happy to be here. This is me, Shanda Tripp, since we are on radio. Let me see. We've had a big year. I um, Starting back where we started, we have been helping foster care children for 10 years in Sumner County. And I had a desire. I'd seen one of those news stories where foster kids take their stuff in trash bag from house to house, and it just ripped my heart apart. And I thought, oh, I should do something. It was so impossible to do anything, I was one of those people who thought, you know what, it's too much, can't do it. So just, you know, I'll pull a shade on it as mm-hmm. I like to call it. Then it kept working on me and I shared it with some people at our church. Then finally someone went to DCS from our church at the time and found out that we could not do anything because of the separation of church and state. At that point, I was honestly kind of relieved because I felt like we had done our due diligence, we had tried, we can't do it. So mm-hmm. that was the end of that. Just a few weeks later, someone in our church had a cleaning business and that person ended up getting the job to clean for the leader of a local facilitator of foster care children called Camelot and the door swung open. Camelot was very generous to us and allowed us to uh, actually host a Christmas party for them and that was 10 years ago. So we will, this year will be our 11th year and we started, I believe we facilitated about 60 children, maybe 90 that first year, down to last year, 2021, we were the exclusive distributor of Christmas gifts to foster children in Sumner County invited by DCS. I'm very proud of that. They asked us to just kind of take it over and do it because they've seen what we've done all these years. Fast forwarding, we founded Love for Music City, which is a non-religious nonprofit in the meantime. So what once was founded out of the heart of our church uh, has moved on to its own self-standing nonprofit. 
and great it is. We well, we have been consistent, and there's a lot of wonderful people, just like you, Jeff, and your <laughs> wife. Y'all have been so generous and kind to us. Thank you very much, and clearly, uh, it touches your heart. Yeah. But foster care touches all of us, even if you don't have a foster child, even if you've never been touched by adoption, it should matter what is happening in your community. I like to say we're fighting crime, we're fighting homelessness, we're fighting prostitution, we're fighting people going to prison because we're trying to catch them before they get into those behaviors. That's right. If we can let them know that they are loved and that they are valued and that they matter. Sure. What a difference. And you got these kids that are going through things of no fault of their own. Correct. And you don't want that circle to continue. You exactly. gotta break that circle and exactly. give them a different avenue to, exactly. to to go. And this is one of those things that, that is gonna help because you know, they they were going to the system with literally nothing. Nothing. Like you said, the plastic bag yes. filled with, you know, essential things that but it doesn't have a lot of meaning to them. When they run into something like this where now they can be get provided for and it doesn't cost them anything. I mean, their self-esteem really gets That's boosted. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's our goal. The, the other things that you, you've done over the, the years, you know, you've done different events, uh, fundraising things, and which I'm sure people can donate to. <laughs> yes. You can always find us on all social media. You can go to lovefrommusiccity.org. And we are continually looking for help, partners, to help us do what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's not my problem. It's not your problem. It's ours it's it is is the problem we are being faced with in society and it's sad that we actually have that problem we should not have this problem we should not you know with this many kids and more coming into the system you know and uh, we were talking with Farrell Hale Senator Farrell Hale uh, a couple weeks ago and with the Roe versus Wade situation and the fear is because of a lot of that there's going to be more kids coming into the system right so we have to have a way to help them Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know to, to get through this and it, it's it's unfortunate that we have to face it and the kids have to go through with it but at least we have you all that are helping well thank you my my dad used to say somebody's got to do something mm-hmm. and if you find yourself saying somebody's got to do something usually that somebody is you mm-hmm. so if you recognize the problem then you probably are being tugged on in your heart to step up and do something about it. Absolutely. So we've just stepped up and we're trying to do something yeah. about it. Some of the things that other things that you do to help out during the year, that would be a Crystal Brown question. Okay. Well, hey, everybody. I'm Crystal Brown and um, I'm a part of Love Music City. Been here since day one. And um, I tell you, we are passionate about helping in so many ways. We started out with the Christmas party. And when you see the reaction of these kids, you see the almost like deer in a headlight reaction when they experience true authentic love. You realize that this this needs to happen more, more often. So we have looked for ways to bring that in on a monthly basis, looking for ways to facilitate these children. We do back to school give, giveaways. We just had one a couple months ago, I guess August, uh, whatever month it is now, <laughs> uh, September. Right, yeah. yeah, so we had that and within the first hour all of our school supplies were gone wow uh, i think we facilitated somewhere around 255 children and uh, we had new shoes we had new coats and i will just say this here everything that we give away is brand new everything we give away is brand new there's no hand-me-downs there's no second class anything these kids are getting nikes they're getting vans converse what my kids would get Mm -hmm. because you know so many times oh well you know uh, i don't wear this anymore here some some kid can have it well these kids deserve the best and Mm -hmm. we're that's what we're about we're showing them that they have value they have purpose 
and a lot of times that's all they need to be able to succeed we've seen um, success stories like Charlene Tilton we've who's one of our choir members and our choir members are people who help us give children a voice who we build a platform and we, we give them opportunity to look ahead and to a different window of the world and see you can have something different if you never know different you don't you can't have different so we are providing a window for them to know that there is something different out there for them so we're taking donations throughout the year not just at christmas time oh yes sir so if somebody wanted to i mean how would they get gather donations to get to you you can gather um, pillows you can gather blankets shoes coats toys toiletries um, um, bags and everything has to be brand new Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be named brand but we do prefer we it has to be brand new but they can call us at uh, 615-424-2447 or go to our loveformusiccity.org reach out through social media platforms and uh, we can put boxes in they can put boxes in their business they can sponsor a kid for christmas it's a hundred $50 sponsored a child for Christmas. So there's so many opportunities in volunteering. We have um, opportunities um, coming up soon that we'll be talking about where people can come weekly and be involved with these children. And at this point, uh, last year, a few times, Sumner County DCS reached out to us. Has donated to us. Though. They're like donations will come in through DCS and they'll give them to us to facilitate, you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, we're the Lord has blessed us with many connections here in the city. Sure. And I think, or in the county, and people realize that we are doing what we say we will do. And then some is what I like and to do. And then some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, some of the other events you do during the year, just summer fire, back to school bash. We do that. We uh, we had a uh, foster care awareness Christmas Car show. show. We didn't have it this year due to some personal uh, events but uh, we we're we're all about raising the awareness we are always promoting our our love packs our love packs are are basically like laundry duffel bags Mm -hmm. that uh, we um, get donated and we give to DCS workers and they take them in place of trash bags into the kids homes when they are um, received in sometimes maybe in the middle of the night sometimes Mm -hmm. you know mom's driving drunk dad's driving drunk can't get a hold of a family member so these children are taken into custody and um, this way it says right from the bat you know we give them pajamas t-shirt toiletries all of those things so right from the bat they have the opportunity to know that they are valued that most of the time their clothes are dirty they have no or clean clothes it's a crime scene right and, it's and a lot of times they take they will not let the child take anything right. out right. of the house at least that night sure. then they'll go back i've heard of dcs workers going back a couple of days later after it's been cleared by the police but so that's 48 hours that that child has not had a toothbrush a pair of socks nothing Mm -hmm. so we try to facilitate meet that need in that gap that is very Mm -hmm. an emergency type situation and can you imagine the vulnerability of the child like they're already gone through probably the most hopefully the most traumatic thing up to this point and then not to even have a toothbrush so we try to meet that need well uh, as best we can but we've had calls even from clarksville probably cookville that direction as well people requesting the love packs because there's such a need sure such a need it, it is sad that these kids have to to go through this and exactly. uh, but i guess that you know they don't have parenting classes <laughs> oh, man, actually there to, are parenting classes but they, nobody's going nobody's that's going. What I'm <laughs> They don't take advantage exactly. of it. It's like, we That's don't have it. a manual on That's how to be it. a parent uh, right. or even think about it, it, you know, before you get involved with things. Because well, you, you things hit happen. on it earlier. It's uh, these generational cycles that happen over mm-hmm. and over 
and over again. Yeah. And the child is the one who pays the price. Yeah, right. and, it, and most of the time it's because they did not have that different window. Mm-hmm. They did not have anything different to see that there's a different way of life. There's a different model that not everybody lives this way. A child who right. has been sexually molested by their uh, sibling, by their parent, they think it's normal. They don't realize that not everybody is being molested right. in their mm-hmm. home. We yeah. actually talked to a woman one time who, who was molested by her father and she's like, well, are, are all girls molested by somebody? Everyone's in their molested family? by their dad. She said, I know everyone's molested yeah. by their dad. And me and Crystal looked at each other like, uh, no, 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 no. they're not. <laughs> right. No. But that, but wow. that's the mentality yeah. that gets wrapped up in these generations of, you know, repeaters, offensive repeaters mm-hmm. of the childcare system. And they don't know a way out. Yeah. Right. They don't know a way out, but they get to come and they get to hang out with us and they know where to come after they age out mm-hmm. to right. find love and support too. Yeah. And we work with a lot of other organizations that help them once they age out. Right. Now, I know through the system, I mean, a lot of these kids have behavioral therapists available to them. So if, if their caseworker feels you need to go talk to somebody, mm-hmm. then they can set that up. And it's right. not costing anything. So, you know, having those resources available, you know, to them uh, that they can uh, take advantage of it. And they might fight it. You know, I don't want to talk to anybody about what I went through. I mean, it's embarrassing, you know, for especially some of the older ones. But to have that available, I think, is, is really key. And have somebody to talk to. Right. Uh, to vent. You well, know, and all so this. many times, you know, we see with our older kids, by the time they get ready to age out, they're so done with people telling them what to do, mm-hmm. telling them how what to wear, where to go. They can't even make the decision of where they sleep, you know. So, and I think that causes them to feel a distrust. Yes. So yeah. we want to create an, a, a trust relationship with these kids, and that's what I believe we're doing, that they know that they, they can come to us. There's no, We have no skin in the game. We, we're not trying to make money off of them. We're not trying to get anything from them. We're just trying to give them the best possible mm-hmm. uh, resources and make help them become the best them they can be. And you've witnessed some great success stories mm-hmm. of folks that, and kids you've run into that have turned their life around with your all's help and really kind of are doing something for yourself. I know at the gala last year, uh, was it Michaela? Michaela. Yeah. I mean, what a story. What oh, my story. gosh. That, just briefly run that uh, story My about. daughter was serving at a youth camp that is exclusively for foster care children. It was last year, I believe. And she met Michaela, who was aging out of foster care at the time, which is why we were able to tell her story openly, by the mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, she was placed in a detention facility because there was no foster care home for her. Hmm. She was placed, it was in um, oh Knoxville area. I can't think of the name of the place, but she couldn't go to the bathroom when she wanted to. You can't leave your, uh, I don't think they use the term cell, but I mean, she's locked in a room with another person, uh, couldn't have a glass of milk, uh, had to work for a shampoo. Uh, it was unbelievable. What? Yeah, it was unbelievable. And I even spoke with her caseworker at one point. I spoke to some other people at a facility who does similar to what we do, just vetting her story because mm-hmm. it was so unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And her story is she felt like she had hit the lottery of life when she finally got placed in a foster care home wow. <laughs> because it was so much better yeah. than the facility she was yeah, placed that in. That should have never happened. And her sad story is she had a brother who was five, and I'm wanting to say one around 11. Both of them were put in a male detention facility, and her little brother's never been the same since. 
See, I mean, that's crazy Unbelievable. stuff. Unbelievable. Well. But now she's in college. Now yes. she's in college. Yeah. She's, she's going yes. to school to be a social worker. So <laughs> she wow. has to be a part of the solution. Well, right. she got first-hand knowledge. Exactly. So that's, that's, she's good. She'd be a great caseworker. Hey, we're going to talk a lot more. we got much to, more to talk about. So we'll be right back. We're talking with Shanda Tripp and Crystal Brown with Love for Music City. And we'll be talking more right here on Sumter County Spotlight. 100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight on this Sunday morning. We're going to continue our conversation with Shanda Tripp and Crystal Brown with Love for Music City. You know, we were talking about... Uh, earlier about the system. You know, you have this huge system that's Broken. supposed to be in charge of the, the adoption and foster care system and, you know, what do you do with these kids and things like that. And, and we know there's a burden on the system. Oh, they're, they're overworked. They're, the caseworkers are yes. are having so many cases that they shouldn't be handling. But And I think that the, they're working on that. And Senator Hale said they are working on that to try to get them ex, you know, more pay, cut down the workload, so on and so forth. But there's still things that are going on. Yes. And you were we were talking off air that what you just told me it blows my mind so a child comes into the system it's been taken either from a crime scene or like a crystal previously mentioned drink and drive in whatever middle of the night so they take the child there's nowhere for it to go uh dcs when it comes into the custody they will immediately call anyone and everyone related even down to church people whatever mm-hmm. any community person even school teachers they'll oh, look yeah. for if the child can say anyone that might take them which can you imagine being that child setting their name and names in the middle yeah. of the night and everybody saying no so if there is no place for that child to go number one tonight in davidson county i can guarantee you there's kids sleeping on the conference tables and oftentimes only because in sumner county our intake is not as high but we have kids sleeping on the conference tables in sumner county wow so they will do that they'll bounce them around maybe a foster parent will let them stay for two days but they won't take actual guardianship of them so that's where like michaela's story she ends up in a detention center because there's no place to put her that is an active detention center an active detention center she was in there with uh, a fellow I I hate to say inmate because she wasn't an inmate but a fellow resident resident who had burned her house down one had stabbed their mom Uh, just horrible things so Michaela's saying she's petrified because she had never had no and I can I have verified that she had no crime and she had never been in jail or arrested she did nothing wrong and she was a child by the way then we have other stories of Sumner County children ending up in hospitals as far as Clarksville and I'm not talking about mental wards Mm -hmm. I'm talking about just hospitals because I was told by law if a foster parent does not have custody of the child yet therefore it's in the custody of the state the only people who can have that child are a DCS worker or a medical profession. Mm-hmm. So they will, I'm going to use the word dump, the child in the hospital so nurses and doctors can babysit it. Can you imagine that? That doesn't make sense. And imagine being the sick person in the next room who actually needs the attention of the yeah. doctor and the nurse and they're babysitting. I mean, it's unbelievable. But that's happening right here yeah. in Sumner County. Yeah. See, that this system needs to be fixed. Needs to be fixed. So we're hollering out to folks <laughs> listening. we got to make a change, folks. Honestly, I believe Tennessee has a lot of good laws on the books. There's probably several that need to be changed. I was invited to participate and help write a law to better service the children. But in my opinion, we're short on people. We're short on mm-hmm. staff. We're short on humans who care. Mm-hmm. I think DCS workers are worked... <laughs> 
<laughs> like crazy. They're asked to do a job that's impossible. It's a, honestly, it's a decay of society. Yeah. And morale and morals and values have gone out the window. Yeah. And you have children who don't know right from wrong, who don't know that they're not supposed to hurt themselves or hurt others. Mm-hmm. And that's because of middle class America doesn't get involved. Right. So that's where I hope people hear our heart and we're asking you to get involved. People like Crystal Lyon, like you, Jeff, and your wife, we're trying, you have done the most, really. You <laughs> adopted what, three children? Three kids. Three yeah. children. Three that children. is ama- That is the end all hope that we have for all of these stories that we're mm-hmm. talking about. Of course, we pray that they get reunited with their families and in some cases. We pray they don't. <laughs> because they're yeah. not good. Exactly. You're right. I, mean, I cried out watching a child go back in the home mm-hmm. where mama boyfriend molested the child is what got the child in the system then they put the child back into the same home sure and mama brings boyfriend it's same yeah. boyfriend so mm-hmm. just the insanity you might as well take that kid and literally throw it out the window yeah. you are destroying their mental health yeah. their identity they just you know well psychologically, psychologically i mean it's tearing them up inside right yeah. and, and that's where you run into the older kids you know, by the time they're, uh, yes. you know, 9, 11, 13, 15, you know, you're looking at some severe mental illness. You're mm-hmm. looking at abuse, children who have been verbally abused, sexually abused, Burnt cigarettes, physically abused. And so at this point, society has completely written them off and that nobody wants to talk about them and then all of a sudden he's walking into a school and shooting it up and everybody's right. wondering why why did anybody wasn't anybody paying attention to this kid or middle class america mom is right. walking to her car in walmart parking lot exactly. at eight o'clock at night and then she's mad that there's undesirable teenagers hanging out that's because somebody has to care about the community mm-hmm. somebody somebody has to. has to step up and say you know what it matters the mental health of the kid on the street does he have anybody who loves him? Does he have anybody to give a pair of shoes? That's where it matters. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, stories like you've been saying and events that have happened should not be happening, but are going to continue to happen. So it's a reform issue. It's a, it's an Correct. awareness thing. The public needs to know that this should not be going on, and it's everybody's problem. It's just exactly. not the a few people. Exactly. You know. So now with all the the events you have going on, you still have find time to do great things. You know, for the community. You, I guess, recently started to venture into some other avenues of care for kids. Kids. We're trying to get ahead of the bus. Yeah. That's a great thing right yes. there. Trying to get ahead of the problem. And uh, what one of the things that we're doing to try to get ahead of the problem is we're going to have a weekly two-hour after-school program on Wednesdays from 4 to 6 for drug and alcohol-endangered youth, which is every youth in mm-hmm. our society nowadays. I don't care what, what community you live in, what subdivision you live in, how much money your parents make drugs and alcohol is no respecter of persons sure i've seen people come from some of the best good upstanding best parents that you can think of homes who end up being their kids get taken by foster care because somewhere in the mix they got lost for like i had mentioned earlier we had done foster care christmas parties for 10 years and i would see the toys going out the door and think i'm glad we got to do that but it's just not enough mm-hmm. like oh here you were molested here's a pillow you know that's how i feel sometimes <laughs> like oh you know you watch your mom be murdered here's a new baby doll it's not enough and so we've just wrestled with this for quite some time like what could we possibly do so 
we are launching these classes, drug endangered classes, that will also turn into a mentoring program. Mm -hmm. We will also be fighting sex trafficking, believe it or not. I have went by the... And that's a thing here in Southern County. Oh, yeah. Sex trafficking (laughs) and homeless children has gone through the roof in the last two years in Sumner County. And to my knowledge, I feel free to stand corrected, but to my knowledge, there's no one in Sumner County who has taken that problem on head on. So that was another reason we had kind of wrestled with some of these things to do, but it's like, well, no one's doing it. So according to the government website, not that we take the government websites as a Bible, right? (laughs) But uh, what you can do to help a drug endangered victim we will do every one of those things wow and that is the teaching that is giving them hands on shoes clothes they need to take a shower if they need to and then we will help facilitate them to possibly go to a rehab or counseling s- sort of counseling facility mental health services that kind of thing but again we will be kind of like the emergency come in the door and we're going to help you and it is our desire if you're listening and you maybe you own or manage or have access to shoes clothes undergarments those types of things that we will need i don't need thousands of them Mm -hmm. yet but we need to have them on hand so we can be ready to help because if we see that a child needs shoes we're going to give them shoes if they need new clothes we're going to give them clothes now this is not necessarily just within the foster care system this is no right in in just the general public so you don't have to go through all the regulations and rules that you have to follow when you're dealing with foster children right only children is the only um standard that we do have 18 under 18 okay. we are not dealing with adults right. who knows what the road may hold for us <laughs> later but as of right now our focus and assignment is the children that is so exciting and it's so well needed and when we talked the other day about this i said we got to talk about it i mean that's just well we thank phenomenal. you so much for having and that's us a, on. A, a great undertaking i mean that's got to yeah. be massive <laughs> Tell and, me about it. And you and you have the resources. You're pulling in these resources. Yes. So you're not doing it all yourself. No. You bring it in the right people, the professionals that can really help. So. so I'll just briefly tell you, it was back last November, I had went over to a meeting at Sumner County DCS, and I'll tell you two of, I think, two of our greatest heroes, and they deal with five counties. The two people I was meeting with, every foster child in five counties stops with them. So I was honored just to meet with them, and they were actually asking for our help to help with Christmas and all that and they go into how they had children in the office right then and how uh, the man told a story how he had a three uh, a third grader in the office the day before and how the little guy had lice and he was too little to get his head in the sink to wash the lice shampoo out yeah and while he's sitting there telling me this story and I just see this distraughtness and how tired they are. I'm thinking about our church facility, which is the Fireplace Fellowship on Walton Ferry Road. It's 26,000 square feet. And I'm thinking, I have 26,000 square feet sitting empty right now. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me that you don't have a sink to wash a third grader's head in. Mm. So that's where the idea came, if there was a way. So I immediately, I said, well, look, I have an idea. We could uh, let Love from Music City lease part of our building turn that into a youth facility and they're like oh yes please if you can do that do it and we'll help you do it we'll get any red tape cut so that was where the idea came from and we've been working on it ever since so essentially you are the angels of sumner county (laughs) (laughs) that might be a stretch but sure we'll take it well i mean it's it's very angelic what you're doing i mean uh, what an undertaking what an undertaking some would call us crazy yeah Yeah, well (laughs) but if you can help one you know it meant something to that third grade little boy that day 
and if, if people want a place to go exactly so people want to help out and volunteer you'll yes. accept their help and yes. it's going to be so rewarding and i think just by doing so is going to make you feel so much better i agree well i pray when i leave this world it will be better off than when i left it and somebody will know that I was here. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Well, you've made that mark <laughs> already. Well, and it shows you what you, to be grateful for. You know, when you give back and you help these kids, it really creates a grateful spirit within yourself. Mm-hmm. Scientists have shown that an attitude of gratitude literally does strengthen and heal your brain. So mm-hmm. if you're suffering with depression, if you're suffering with anxiety, give back, get involved, help a kid, help a child do something because that's going to in turn come back to you Mm -hmm. and and, you know people can can volunteer and help out they don't necessarily have to purchase anything or buy things or bring backpacks or become a foster parent i mean if you want to do that that's fine if you want to you know throw a bunch of money at it that you could do that too too. (laughs) i will just tell you that the only reason why we have not already started is this day we start we will have weekly payroll because we have to have certified teachers you have to have uh, security issues being Mm. met we have to have certain criteria for the foster care system sure so i have the facility we've already got the curriculum we've already got the basic layout for what we're going to do nothing in comparison to what it will be but we would have already started but it's that payroll the weekly budget of it Mm -hmm. and i'm just waiting to make sure we're a little bit more sure-footed with the funds so well, I know there's a bunch of corporate folks out there. That's right. And corporate money. Tax write-off. You, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. They need that. They need you it. You know, so if you want to jump on board, loveformusiccity.org, yes. you got to do it. That's, and that's amazing. That's it. So you're planning the next gala or Christmas gala. party coming yes. up? Both. Both. <laughs> At yes. the, yeah, wow. Yeah, here we are. So, so November the 3rd, we're excited. We'll be formally announced. I guess I'm formally announcing it now. I'm just mm-hmm. not able to tell everybody who's going to mm-hmm. be there. A lot of surprises. But November the 3rd, it'll yeah. be here in Henderson. So we'll be looking for people who are ready to help sponsor that, participate with that. And then our Christmas party is December December. the 11th. It's always the second Sunday of December. Yes, right here in Hendersonville at the Fireplace Fellowship. That's great. And, and of course, you're on social media. They can can check it out there. You'll have events up there. You'll be be pushing that out. And, of course, you'll let us know. 100%. you know, all of us here on the on-air staff will push that out and get it promoted. So we've been talking with uh, Shanda Tripp and Crystal Brown with Love for Music city right here in hendersonville actually so a lot of great things happening thank you so much thank Thank you jeff and the best wishes and good luck let's get in nashville get to the get to the government and make things change absolutely let's make it happen all right that's going to wrap it up for this uh, edition of sumner county spotlight with your host jeff shannon we'll see you next week with more of sumner county spotlight sumner county spotlight will return next sunday morning at 10 a.m thanks for listening